talked about the mark of the beast last week, and then the week prior to that, the rapture. And so I, I just wanted to highlight that for you. How do you follow those things up? Uh, well, you follow them up with the book of Romans, with the book of Romans. And there's a reason why. Um, so as you think about a book that's been written, uh, as a pastor, you get to look at the scriptures and go, oh, what does the church need? You know, God, what do you, what do you want us to look at next? Um, it's not like it, um, it, it's not like any, you know, I could do the, you know, the apostles roulette or whatever you call it, where you just go, oh, I'm going to talk about this today. And uh, we would be in Job 9. Uh, but you can do that, and it's not that it's unhelpful, because all the Word of God is profitable. It's good, and it's helpful for us in the life that we're living right now. But as we go through this, we can connect as a church to a time, to a place, to a specific writing of, of God's. This book right here, and I, I want to go over these things because it's very important for us to remember this is God's book. God wrote a book, or He inspired a book for us. He preserved a book. Uh, you could say that too. This, uh, the portion we are looking at is very old. It's very old. And uh, as we look at it, it is still fresh to us because it's been preserved and it is alive, ready for us uh, in this day in 2021. God is the writer. Uh, we're going to talk some about Paul today. But know this, that God is the writer. And it is his message going through his servant, Paul, uh, this morning that we get to look at. And so it's as if God is speaking to you. And he is. He is speaking to you. As you come here, you, there should be an anticipation and an excitement that God's got a message for you. Some of you thought you were just coming to church. Uh, God's speaking to you today. Uh, he's he's going to work in you today. And there should be great anticipation for that as we uh, look at God's word. <clears throat> I would say this too, that God knows what you're going through today. Uh, God knows uh, the struggles that you have, the world you live in, that God is connecting all those things. And in his infinite wisdom, uh, his wisdom that is called manifold wisdom, Paul uses that in Ephesians, this picture of all these things coming together. You're here right now for this time in this place, um, and we're beginning the book of Romans. Paul is writing, the Apostle Paul. And as you think about the Apostle Paul, um, it, it's interesting because uh, Paul's salvation and transformation, it was dramatic, right? Uh, he was a persecutor of the church. He was one that was a Christian killer. And now uh, he is an apostle uh, sent by God, sent by God to do his work in this world and this time, and not just to do his work, but the specific work of writing his words down for him. Uh, Paul's, we know about his different missionary journeys, and this is probably the third missionary journey that he is on, where he's writing probably from Corinth. Um, and, and Paul is doing this thing too, where as God is intending, he's writing different things to different churches. 
in different spots. And he is writing to a specific city, the city of Rome. Um, theologians, uh, Bible scholars uh, would connect that the year is probably A.D. 58 as Paul is writing to the, the church at Rome. When you think about Rome, uh, there's different phrases that you would come up with that people talk about. Well, Rome wasn't built in a day. Uh, what does that mean? Um, Tatsby wasn't built in a day either. But what does that mean? Why are they talking about Rome? I was thinking about this too. Uh, if you remember, if you recall from the book of Daniel, uh, Daniel was charting the great civilizations, right? Uh, starting with Babylon, right? Babylon, the Medes and the Persians, the Greeks, the Romans, the Romans. And this morning, that is uh, the city or the civilization that we are looking at, and we will be looking at for a while um, as we go through this study. Rome was probably, in these ancient civilizations, the greatest, the greatest as it came together. Uh, and, you know, we use this word today, progress or progressive. And what is better? What is better? The next thing is better, right? We always think the next thing is better and bigger and grander and more technology and better ideas and they come together. And it's simple why. It's not, it's not that complicated. It's that they're learning from the past and they're incorporating those ideas, the good ideas of a, a civilization. And then they are uh, adding some more to human ingenuity and making things greater. As you think about this, uh, I, I want to remind you that all that is next is not necessarily greater, right? Uh, and all that we incorporate from the mind of man, just because it's new, uh, does not mean it's great in God's eyes. Rome, at the time of writing, and really for a, a, a great time before and after, Rome was the greatest. It was the greatest. It was the center of the world. Uh, how many of you have gone to some of the great cities of the world? Gone to Los Angeles? Anybody been to Los Angeles? Uh, right? Some of you who are like, you know, hey, we're going to go see stuff. We're going to go to Los Angeles. Um, we, it's people from California. You know, people come here throughout the world just to see Los Angeles. You may not know this, but Pastor Kevin, right here, I lived in Hollywood for a while. Can you tell? <laughs> if you say yes, I'm going to be really sad. Uh, yeah, I lived, uh, it was funny, I, I looked it up just because I was, I was reminiscing as I was going through my notes. I lived in the Hollywood Ardmore. Uh, it's this famous apartment that's a dump. And... Uh, um, <laughs> And it's still there. It's on Whitley, if you, you know, right off uh, Hollywood Boulevard. I, it was two blocks off Hollywood Boulevard. And I remember, uh, you, you know, this is probably true of every big city. It sounds more glamorous than it truly is, you know, as you uh, would walk down and uh, I would go to the church that I went to as a four block walk. And it was, you could see all kinds of crazy things just in four blocks. Um, but there's other great cities as well. Uh, there's New York City. Um, 
you know, in the United States, there's Atlanta and Houston. Um, there, you think about uh, other places to the north and the south. You think of Mexico City. Uh, you think of uh, different places in uh, Europe that are significant. London. Um, you, you think about uh, in China, uh, Great city, Hong Kong, you know, the, the idea of some of these grand cities. And at, at, at this time, at this time, I believe that Rome was the indisputable greatest city in the world. As you think about that and you go, wow, uh, that must have, well, what must that have done uh, for those who lived there? What must uh, they have thought? Now, uh, I, I think that Tehachapi, some of the most proud of their city, people that I know. I love Tehachapi. I love it. And, you know, hey, I could show you all the great spots in Tehachapi. If you're new here, I want to take you on a tour. Um, Here's some great spots, and I want to show them to you. Most people who live in a city love their city. And Rome, being the greatest city in the world at that time, undoubtedly, these people looked at their city as a great place. Some have suggested um, and the lower numbers are like one, uh, 1.6 to over 4 million people lived in ancient Rome at this time. And you think about that and you go, that's, that's a ton of people for a place that didn't have cars and uh, didn't have subways and, and different places like that. that. That's a lot of people. And so you, you get this picture of probably the biggest and the greatest and the center of civilization Along with that, uh, at this period of time, both believer and unbeliever, it was good times in Rome. It was good times. Uh, It was uh, relative peace. There was prosperity. Uh, There were, uh, you can picture a time where benefits were happening. There was success. And so as you look at this grand amount of people, um, Rome was the place to be. I'd say this too, that as any big city throughout the world, there were people from different places. There were Jews there. There were people from other conquered nations around. Obviously, uh, they weren't flying in and so on and so forth. But as people uh, gathered from different nations, they would gather in Rome. And the picture of all roads leaning to Rome. This is the place uh, where all were invited to make Rome or, C- or the Caesars great. This was what Rome, the city, was all about. As you think about uh, this book that we're going to take a study in, you can think through as well who the Roman readers are. Uh, you, you know, it, it's important for you to know, and I want to say this carefully uh, for all to hear, who was the Bible written to? Who was the Bible written to? Well, it was written to believers who it was addressed to. It wasn't written to unbelievers. It's not that they couldn't read it. In fact, I believe that apart from the Word of God, it's impossible to have faith. It's impossible to understand the gospel without the Bible. But the primary readers were always His people, always. And those who would hear, undoubtedly, in every church, in every situation, there were people who, who weren't of faith that were hearing the Word of God, and God was using that in their lives as well, either 
for them to reject, but also for them to draw near that God would do his work. Well, who were these Roman readers? Well, uh, they were, I would say it this way, they were Jews and everybody else. Jews and everybody else. Um, And that's really the distinction in Scripture. We're going to see in our study this idea that there were Jews, God's people, ethnically, that had uh, followed after the Old Testament, added some stuff, and got astray. Um, and, And then as Jesus come, as they heard the gospel, they responded in faith. But there were also everybody else. Uh, It was the other uh, nations. There were people that were just Romans. And there were people from other conquered nations. And they gathered together in home churches throughout the city. This great city. The city of Rome. And so as you can picture, gatherings of churches in the city of Rome. Gathering together. Um, I say home churches. It wasn't really a philosophy as much as it was um, just practical. It was the building they met in. Uh, for us, practically now, because of uh, having cars and having the, the resources to do so, we have a building. We have a building. Uh, there's nothing special about the building, nor is there anything special about your home. It's the meeting of God's people that matters most. And lastly, I'd say it like this. These Roman people, these Roman people, these Roman Christians were people, I don't want to say this in an eternal sense, but they were people up for grabs, up for grabs. And what I mean by that is, uh, how many of you have lived in a big city? How many of you have lived in a big city? Um, People in big cities think they're awesome. Think they're awesome. The mere fact that I told you I lived in Hollywood, I thought I was awesome. I think things were happening. What was always great, it was, I was going to seminary at the time, and I had a couple of roommates, and we lived on the fourth floor of this building. And at night, uh, we were too cheap to get the one with a balcony, but uh, uh, we had a ledge out our window, a ledge. And I'd put my little barbecue out there, and I'd barbecue on the ledge. Dropped a few pieces of chicken down there. But anyways... Uh, but uh, when, when you open the window at night especially, stuff was happening. You could hear the cars going by. You, you could hear the one-on-one freeway. And, you know, you, you, could, you, you could hear people out on the streets yelling. I don't know why they were yelling. They were just yelling. Um, at, you know, at different times you could hear gunshots and helicopters. And, and, and I remember thinking, man, there's stuff happening here. There's stuff going on. And you think to yourself, uh, not um, necessarily what do I want or can I get it? It's like it's all out there. Everything I'd ever want could be out there. And all I have to do is go out and find it. I, I could go there. And, and, and any option that I wanted was there. This is true of Rome as well. Whether it be sin Uh, Large cities always have a a plethora of opportunity for sin. They they have places you can go, uh, both slums, but also wealthy neighborhoods. They have places you can buy. If you can find the right thing, it's all there. 
And this was true with the issues of faith or religions or following different people as well. In Rome, they had it all. And where, where does that leave the church as well as unbelievers? Up for grabs. Up for grabs. When uh, um, it, it, we think about this in terms of our faith as we do with anything, uh, what, what do you do when your dishwasher breaks? This isn't a joke. You, this is what you do. You go, you buy a new one, right? You, go, you fix it or buy a new one. And then you, you start thinking in your mind, well, where do I need to go? Where do I need to go? And if you're in the city, uh, you, you say, well, where can I go? You start Googling it or duck, duck going it or whatever. Um, you, you, you're looking for the spot and you're, you're saying, I know this can be fixed. This is broke. I know this can be fixed. And so I, if I spend enough money and I make the right connection, I can get this fixed. There's a problem with that when it comes to the issues of faith. Because you'll be trading your ideas of faith and your following each and every day, right? You have a bad day. No, God didn't work today. God didn't work in my life today. So maybe I should start looking for something else. Maybe I should start trading what I thought I believed to some, some other's belief system. This was true in Rome. This was true in Rome. And the, the dangers for a Roman church in the midst of the city was that they would drift away and they'd forget the riches that are found in the gospel message, the gospel of Jesus Christ. I got good news for you today. Well, this same book that was written to these Roman church is for us here at Fair Valley Church. I'm not, uh, um, I'm not looking for a worldwide following here. I'm not literally looking for a following as well. I'm, I'm trying to help you in this day and this time. Bear Valley Church. We live in a crazy world. And I say we do. We right here. Uh, many of you are, are struggling with many different things. Many. Uh, concerned about your jobs. Concerned about your kids. Concerned about your grandkids and great-grandkids. You're wondering what's going to happen next. We don't know what's going to happen next. We do, right? We went through the book of Daniel. We know what's going to happen, right? We know what's going to happen. Uh, rapture, seven years. Got it. Uh, um, we know what's going to happen next. We know it. But we're wondering what's going to happen just over the hill, right? Just the next couple of steps. And so as I think about that, as I think about those next steps, us living in a crazy world, us already studying the book of Daniel and parts of Revelation, as I think about the book of Romans, the book of Romans is all about the gospel, all about the gospel. My hope uh, for Bear Valley Church is that we would know the gospel, we would know the riches of the gospel, and that we would cling to it, cling to it, till the Lord calls us home. If you'd stand in honor of God's word, I'd like to read to you from Romans chapter 1, the first 17 verses. 
And then uh, I will give a, a list of what we're going to find in this great gospel in the book of Romans. God's word says this, Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures, concerning his son, who was descended from David according to the flesh, and was declared to be the Son of God in power according to the Spirit of holiness, by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, through, uh, through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of, uh, of his name among the nations, including you who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. To all those in Rome who are loved by God and called to be his saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. First, I thank my God through uh, Jesus Christ for all of you, because your faith is proclaimed in all the world. For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit and in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing I mention you, always in my prayers, asking that somehow, by God's will, I may know at, uh, at last, that I may know at last succeed in coming to you. For I long to see you, that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you. That is, that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that I have intended to come to you, but thus far have been prevented, in order that I may reap some harvest among you, as well as among the rest of the Gentiles." I am under obligation both to Greeks and to barbarians, both to the wise and the foolish. So I'm eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also the Greek. For uh, in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith, as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. God, we ask your blessing on our study, uh, not just today, but the days ahead. And God, as we uh, attempt to understand this beautiful letter that Paul wrote, that you wrote through Paul to the church at Rome, God, I ask that you would do that work of transformation. For some, from death to life, and others, that they might enjoy the life and realize the riches that are found in this gospel. God, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So now I, uh, well, first of all, let, let me just look at uh, verse 16 for a moment. And many, or most, I would say, uh, see this verse. See, this verse is really the central theme uh, to uh, to the book of Romans. And it's Paul, as he kind of uh, suggests who he is and what these people mean to him and talk a little bit about uh, their faith. We're going to get this in the weeks to come. But then he makes this huge declaration in verse 16 that he is not ashamed of this one thing. Now, shame or embarrassment 
comes for many reasons. Uh, you know, share your most embarrassing moment. Uh, you know, for some of us, you, you don't want to share. And others, we're just sorting out the many times we've been embarrassed and ranking them, right? Um, but uh, as Paul, as he thought about, um, I, I want to tell you that as someone who's a preacher, uh, there's always the thought of embarrassment. Every week, every time, uh, there's always the thought that, uh, uh, and you kind of go through this. First of all, most preachers say this, I don't want to embarrass myself. And then you got to walk yourself through. Well, it's not really about you. It's, you, you get embarrassed all the time, and it's just grow up, you know. So, and then you say, well, you know, I don't, I don't want to embarrass, you know, my family. And well, it's not really about them either. But I don't want to bring shame to the Lord. Like, this is his message in a different way, but have similar things. As the Apostle Paul wrote this down, he was just doing God's work. As you think about the different ways, uh, different people God used, you think of prophets and pastors, all these things are, they're, they're just kind of the postal workers, right? They're kind of the middlemen. And it's not about, you know, the, the postal worker isn't supposed to improve upon the letter. Um, the, the package is just supposed to get there, right? Um, in one piece, you know, I know it's UPS season, season uh, coming up, um, yeah, that might be interesting this year, huh? Uh, anyways, we won't get into that. Um, what was I talking about again? Um, ashamed of the gospel. So there's many ways to be ashamed, but Paul, as he looked at his message that he was going to share and he was going to bring and uh, was going to, in many ways, reiterate to these Roman churches and anyone who would listen is that, I'm not ashamed of this message. I'm not embarrassed about it. Why? There's a reason, and, and it's found, and we're going to go over this again, but just briefly, Paul says, uh, I'm not ashamed of this good news message. Why? Well, it's because it's good news, right? Uh, as you bring something, uh, there's, there's a sense where the postal work, you know, I don't know if you've ever thanked the UPS guy. You're so excited, you know, you get all those tracking numbers and everything like that. You're following it like, you know, it's like Santa's sleigh, you know, it comes from, they don't, anyways, um, but you, you say, oh, it's in this town. It's, it's, it's in this, oh, it's coming closer. It's out, it's out for delivery right now. I'm so excited. And then they come and you're sitting on the porch just going, what can Brown do for you? Um, but, um. You're so excited. Why? Because you're getting something that you wanted. And as you think about the gospel, as you think about the the message that we're going to talk about, um, it's a great message. There's no reason to be ashamed. What if people hate you for it? Who cares? It's still a great message. In fact, if people would hate you to your face... They would even beat you. Say, I never want you to speak of that again. You go, you can say to yourself, but why wouldn't you? It's the greatest message in the world for me, but for you. I got the best thing in the world. Oh, I hate you for it. No, it's, you don't understand. It's the greatest message. 
And as Paul looked at the message of the gospel, he says, I'm not ashamed. Why would I be ashamed? It's not a message even of courage that Paul is sharing. He's saying the worth of the gospel is nothing to be ashamed ashamed about. And I would suggest this. If we're ashamed of the gospel, maybe we don't understand its worth. Maybe we need to study the book of Romans or something. Because we need to know more about the riches that are found here. So uh, you have in verse uh, 16, he's not ashamed of the gospel. It's power of God for salvation. I'll just say, uh, I'll just tack on that one word, salvation. What is the gospel? Why is it good news? Why is it not to be ashamed of? It's power for transformation. But this one thing, it takes a dead person in their sin, a lost person. By the way, some of you are thinking, is he talking to me? Yeah, I am talking to you. But I'm talking to the person next to you as well. It takes a person dead in their sins. and It makes them alive in Christ forever. That's good news. That's good news. And so as he uh, connects this, he says, this message, I'm not ashamed of it. Why? Because it's a good news message. It's power to transform. Transform for what? Transform a person from being dead in their sins to being alive forever, forever. You're going to die in the next year? Some of you are planning on it. Um, Hopefully you don't have a date, right? Um, I feel like it's going to happen this day. Um, I want to tell you, you shouldn't be afraid to die. You should not be afraid to die because you don't have to be because there's a good news message that will make you. It's not that you won't die. You won't experience pain. It will, it's not that bad stuff won't happen. It's that eternally your soul will be secure with Jesus. That's good news. Um, and so you don't have to worry about viruses, and vaccines, and shedding, and whatever else you're worried about. Tornadoes, uh, Chinese invasions, uh, zombie apocalypse, anything. Uh, You don't need to be worried about anything. If your soul is secure with Jesus, you don't need to be worried about cancer. I spoke with a man yesterday. I bumped into him and, you know, hadn't seen him in a long time. And he talked about his life and his health. And this is terminal. And I Stop the stop the presses. Stop the presses. You need to know that your sins are forgiven in Jesus. Forget about everything else. Nothing else is important. But once your soul is secure in Jesus, you know, you can handle any day after that. This is why Paul wrote this and um just exciting. And I just want to tell you, I'll tell you just briefly, off the notes. Um the book of Romans, the book of Romans is all about the gospel. It's all about the gospel. And it's going to reiterate over and over and over again, different ways to think about it, different implications and starts and stops. And it's long, it's long, but it's meant to be that way. It's meant to be that way. So God's people would know uh, what it is, his gospel, God's gospel for us written through Paul. I want to give you a list, uh, and then we'll be done. I'll try not to, you know, I know I've been going long, some of you with um, attention deficits. Um, 
have been struggling. Reasons for us studying the gospel, uh, the book of Romans. First, of, first of all, we're going to see a gospel for empty and desperate people. A gospel for empty and desperate people. Um, funny thing about being in the city. Um, it's it's dead. It's deadening to your senses. Um, I remember when I lived in Hollywood. Sometimes we didn't have anything to do. Uh, we would just go walk around on Hollywood Boulevard. Friends came over. We would go take them down there. And we'd walk around and we'd see if we can find any weird people or anything like that. We were successful every time, <laughs> every time. Um, and 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 you go you go down there and it's deadening. It's deadening. And I, what I mean by that is this: it feels like things are happening, that life is going on. You, you can see cars and people and, and loud music and, and, and people talking and crowds. You can see it all, but there's an emptiness. You, you feel like things are living, but you know they're not. And, and this, is a, this is a difficult uh, problem in the human condition. It doesn't matter if you're in the country or if you're in the city. Uh, what we find in the scripture is a gospel for empty and desperate people. Empty and desperate people. I say desperate too, because just like, uh, you know, they're empty in the quietness of their own soul. They know that there's nothing going on. But there's a desperation to that too. I really feel like the older you get, the more desperate you get in this. Because you say, well, I've tried that, I've tried that, I've tried this and that. And I just keep getting new things and trying them. And maybe the next thing will be, and, and there's a sense of like desperation. When will I find it? I want to tell you, uh, we're going to find good news for empty and desperate people. Secondly, uh, we're going to find a new gospel. Now, I wanted to title my sermon series, I don't know what it was. It was something like a new gospel and something else. And I ran it by my guys, and one of them that I'm related to, he says, uh, I, I'd, I'd get rid of that first part. It sounds a little too heretical. It sounds a little too heretical. But I still, like, I still like saying it. I'm not going to make it. It's going to be a different title. It won't be as catchy. Um, but a new gospel. And what I mean by a new gospel is this. And it's for us too. As you think about your life, if you haven't um, grown up familiar with the gospel... If you haven't been raised in a home that they go to a church that preaches a grace and faith gospel, this is going to be all new to you. I think about those, uh, you know, those Romans, whether they be Jews or some other sort of pagan uh, religion, and they were going through life and they got in their routine of stuff and doing stuff and not doing other stuff and you know going to a place and regiment and you know and they said oh there's a new there's a new church in town there's a new assembly in town a new uh, temple like new way of thinking oh let me try that one out and I want to tell you that gospel the gospel of the book of Romans is new it's different why well it's new 
and that it's not like the other one you tried. It's not a bunch of rules. It's not uh, based on your works. It's not about you doing better. It's a new gospel. It's different than anything you've ever heard before. It wasn't following rules to see if you can get God to not be mad at you anymore. It wasn't going through religious motions uh, that somehow unlock the favor of God. You know, if I do this enough, then God, you know, will just pour out, you know, but it's kind of like that junior high locker. You just never get it open, right? It's not theological tricks. It's a new gospel, different than you've ever heard before, because it's based on the work of Jesus, the work of Christ. We move on. A gospel for everyone. A gospel for everyone. Now, uh, we just need this so much in our world right now. What about people that are uh, from Afghanistan? What do they need? What do rich people need? What do poor people need? And black people and white people and pasty white people. And uh, uh, What do people need? What do people need? It's a gospel for everyone. It's not about how you've done or how you haven't done or what you've done and where you've been. If you've been a world traveler and you lived in those great cities or you lived out in the sticks uh, uh, in Tehachapi or even farther out, maybe Water Canyon or something like that. You know, this is not a gospel for exclusive group of people that it works for them, but not for others. That, But this is a gospel for everyone. And what you're going to see in the book of Romans is Jews and everybody else. And it's good for you. Oh, you don't want to? Crazy. You should know about this. But everybody else, if you, if you haven't heard anything, a gospel for everyone. It's for the computer geeks and the athletes. It's for the people that have been diligent and the people who have been lazy. It's for everyone. And for us to remember, this is the gospel that we're going to find. And so it doesn't matter what uh, segment of society you're from, what nation you were born into or political party you affiliate with. It is a gospel for everyone. Now, let me, let me, let me say this. Just the warning in that. Uh, when I say it's a gospel for everyone, um, it, it means that everyone needs to repent, repent, give up their own ideas, identity of the past, and come to Jesus. And He's offering that to you. Um, we, we don't need to wait either. If you got questions about this, I'll talk to you afterwards. I'd love to share with you more about this today. Um, it is a gospel for everyone. We move on. It's a, a timeless gospel. It's not a fad or a temporary answer. It's not an answer that was good for Paul and the Romans. And maybe my grandma, but, no, but it just isn't, you know, we're in a different time and a place. Things are a lot more complicated. Do you know about computers and what they can do and the science behind it and all that stuff? And this is a timeless gospel. It's not a fad or a temporary answer for you. This is one of the problems of thinking in terms of a big city. When something doesn't work for you, you go on and just find the newest thing. There's got to be a better invention than the one I had yesterday. 
The gospel is a timeless answer for us. We move on. We're going to look at, and this one might be hard for us, a gospel that is God's design for man, not man's design for God. The book of Romans is God telling us about his gospel that he offers as a solution to us. Now, most of us are used to giving the orders, right? Uh, you, you know, when I was growing up, um, there was this, you know, really revolution that happened at Burger King. You could have it any way you wanted it. <laughs> any way. And you're like, man, that's empowering. That's, this is the way I should have been. And it gave birth to Starbucks, right? <laughs> I mean, you didn't know this. Uh, but this idea that you can go and tell people what you want and you can design life how you want it to be designed. And I want to tell you, the book of Romans has no alternate ending. It has no fill in the blanks. God's presenting his way of salvation to sinners who need this desperately. And so, you know, as you think about this, the message of the gospel from the book of Romans is God's design for man, not man's Designed for God, not a man-made invention. In fact, know this. It wasn't Peter and Paul's invention either. It wasn't. It wasn't. As, as you read some of uh, the difficult words of the gospel in the New Testament, sometimes we go, oh, I don't, you know, what was Peter thinking? I, I want to tell you, it wasn't his thoughts. It wasn't Paul's thoughts. I want to tell you, there is no gospel, there is no gospel by a man-made invention. It's not L. Ron Hubbard. It's not Brigham Young. It's not anybody else. It's not anyone today or in the past. It's God's message for man. I want to know you. I want to save you. I want to cleanse you. I want to be in a relationship with you today and forever. God's design for man. We move on. It's a gospel of freedom. It's a gospel of freedom. Now, freedom's one of the best words ever, isn't it? Is it? We, we love it. We love it. That's why we love July 4th, right? The idea of freedom. The most terrible people from over the pond, right? You know, those people who talk funny, right? Have those accents. We love the idea of freedom. And the gospel is a, a message of freedom. Not a, not a national message, not for the United States or for a country uh, uh, being autonomous and sovereign in, uh, in and of themselves. But it's the idea of being free, uh, not just of the chains, but freedom from our sin to Christ. It's the idea of getting free from the sins that we've struggled with. And it's this idea that God wants to change us, transform us, not allow us to be stuck where we are. Freedom comes from the gospel, the gospel of Jesus Christ. We will also find a 
gospel of freedom, but also a, a gospel that is superior to all others. As, as the readers looked around the city, the city that had everything, right? The city that had people and ideas and thoughts from all around the world. The, the people that had options and ideas and were the greatest in the world. There, there wasn't a place where you could find greater things uh, if you lived in Rome. You were the spot. But what you're going to find in the book of Romans is a superior gospel. And I don't say that in a sense of uh, um, votes, you know. Who's the best? Well, who, whoever voted, you know, we're going to vote on who's the best, you know. And the one who gets the most votes wins. That's not the book of Romans. As he shows the gospel, the truth claims about the gospel, the, the ideas and the details of what Christ did on behalf of dead sinners, you're going to see it and you're going to say, this is better than everything, anything I'd ever heard of before, you know? And as the, the Romans would have looked at what Paul wrote for them, God wrote to them, they would have said, this is greater than anything I can find out there. It's superior. We move on. What we will find in the book of Romans is a powerful gospel. A gospel to affect change. The Romans were just like us. Might roll in here today and say, I've tried everything. Tried everything. Tried this, I tried that. I tried this new program or that new program. I've, I've gone to the, you know, I've looked at books and new books and old books and I've tried everything, but I can't change. You're going to find in the book of Romans the path to change. True, permanent, I would say even everlasting change because of the gospel. This powerful gospel is enough to change stubborn people like us. Stubborn, and some of us are stubborn, and others of us are weak, but it really just comes out as being stubborn, but we're really weak, and this idea that we're stuck in sin. The book of Romans shows us how to change, the change that happens because of what Jesus did. Two more. What we'll find is a gospel of salvation, a gospel of salvation. How we can be right with God to escape the world and our own personal sin. How do we be right with God? Don't, don't you want to be right with God? Like You, you think about it, and uh, at night, nobody knows what happens at night, right? You go to bed, and you have all these crazy thoughts and crazy dreams, and then you wake up with more crazy thoughts. And uh, How do you want to wake up in the morning? Right with God. Right with God. I want to wake up right with God. Who knows what's going to go on in the world? Who knows what I got to do that day? But if, if I can know that one thing for certain, that I am right with God, 
That's what the book of Romans is about, the gospel of salvation. That we would know that our sins are forgiven because of what Christ has done. Lastly, let's say this. I love this. The gospel of riches. The gospel of riches. One of the things that God wrote to us through Paul, in the book of Romans, there's all these rich, deep, theological words and concepts. And, and some of you like really get excited when I say the word theological because you go, I'm one of the smart people. I can do this. I want to tell you, um, theology is a study of God. That's all it is. And God shows with us in the book of Romans riches that we would have if we have a relationship with him. It's not about us being smart enough. It's the beauty of God revealing himself and his riches that he's found in relationship, that you can find in relationship with him. It's hard because sometimes we look at riches and we go, riches have everything to do with what is in my bank account, what my house looks like, what's in my garage, you know, the whether the sun's shining or the sun's not shining. Like, that, that's riches in our minds sometimes. But God wants to reveal to us. He says, I got riches that you don't even know anything about. And it's greater than you can ever imagine. And so one of my desires as we go through the book of Romans is to stop on some of these words, to circle them, to try to understand them as best we can with our human minds that we might rejoice the riches that we have, the riches that we have because of Jesus. God, thank you for this morning, the blessing of being able to start a study like this. God, we ask that you would bless it according to your riches, that we might know. Enlarge our hearts that we might be able to comprehend. God, uh, make us thirsty for this. Even as we might be able to see bankruptcy in the world, may we find the riches that are found in Jesus. May we see the emptiness of our own soul and the, 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 the deadness of what's going on in the world. May we long for better uh, relationship with you, for some of us to know you for the first time and others uh, to grow in that and be more settled and content and uh, rejoicing because of what you've done in your son. God, we thank you for this time. May your church be blessed as we gathered together today. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.